Welcome to Life Center Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and our church, visit lifecenternyc.com. Who, uh, we, you know, wherever you're at, if you're watching online, praise God that we have that, right? You know, it was COVID, an emergency that sort of uh, pushed this forward to, to be YouTube or Zoom. And, uh, but I, we keep hearing reports from people in far off places who tune in and are blessed. <laughs> so, uh, so the word of God is going forth and God, you know, that which the enemy meant for evil, God turns around for the good. You know, the transcendent glory of God. Sometimes we need to just sit and meditate on that truth. Um, Joseph had every opportunity to grow embittered, to grow um, just downcast, to give up. But he didn't, he chose not to. You know, he didn't curse his circumstances. He, he just kept following the Lord and, you know, and, and he got to the place where God was able to really use him. And uh, I, I think, you know, we look at these stories in Scripture and, uh, you know, we, let me speak for myself personally. I just like the victory parts. <laughs> you know, it's glory to glory and it's, uh, it's wonderful. Uh, but the glories come through the challenges. You know, they, they don't come through the just easy green meadow, sunshine, whistling, you know, akuna matata. And, uh, you know, it's nice, but that's not the, the, the glory realm is walking in fellowship with God, in communion with him, in obedience to him, and walking in the face of those who are opposed to the Lord in the same meekness that Jesus walked and being in obedience to the Father so that David learned how to commune with God out in the sheep meadow by himself with his little guitar and uh, taking care of the sheep. And then when challenged by a bear, you know, he learned to lean into God and to not run away afraid, but to take on the bear. That was in secret. No one really knew about it. Same thing when the lion came along. But it was in this, the secret place. And I'm going I'm to go into more about the secret place. But it's in your secret place with God that faith and fellowship is developed and where you learn to commune and be obedient to the Lord in the secret place and he'll give you these victories that will add to your faith so that when the lion came 
you know, it says he took the lion and he, you know, he struck the lion. So when David was about to be revealed, right, I mean, Samuel had anointed him. Um, and Samuel, the great prophet of God, could not even recognize that it was David, right? It was like, is there, well, it's none of these. These, they all look on the outward. Uh, David's oldest brother, this must be the Lord's anointed, Samuel said, but then the Lord said, no. And then when he went through all the sons, he said, isn't there another? And he said, well, yeah, there's one more. He's out in the field. We've kind of forgotten about him. And then when he came, the Lord said, this one. But he was, I said, just ruddy, you know, kind of good looking, but it wasn't, he, he didn't appear to be a warrior at the time. But God knows the DNA he's put in each of us. And, and God looks on the heart, and he can make a warrior out of each and every one of us. And he would make David the worshiping warrior king, right? The man who understood intimacy with God, understood sweet fellowship. You, you can't help but read through the Psalms and, and not know that David understood how to walk in fellowship with the Lord. So after he was anointed, I think his brothers were looking at him and saying, who is this? Like, are you kidding me? You know, and then David went back to taking care of the sheep. But then God anointed him when his father sent him to deliver some food to the troops and to his older brothers who were ready to face down the Philistines and Goliath appeared, right? David's confidence was not, this wasn't his first time out. I think it's important that you understand that when David went against Goliath, it wasn't his first time going into battle against a beast. He had taken on the lion and the bear in the secret place because there was no one else. I mean, and so when... Saul asked him, how are you going to go against this giant? You're only a boy. And he told, and he gave testimony. He gave testimony of what the Lord had already done. He rehearsed his history in God. And based on his history, his confidence, his faith increased so that he could run at the Philistine. And God is doing something in our lives right now, and it's just so important that we constantly rehearse our testimonies. We listen to the testimonies of others, the testimony of Jesus. It's the spirit of prophecy, meaning it's, a, it's what God wants to continually do in and through us. The testimony about what Jesus did when we when, when we operate under the unction and leading of the Holy Spirit, it causes us to step into, into miraculous realms, meaning outside of our natural strength. Anything that we can't accomplish in our natural strength requires God. That's a miracle. And he wants us to, to move in miracles, signs, and wonders. We'll follow those who do what? Believe. How does faith come? How does this belief come? It comes by hearing. 
hearing the word of God, but just not. It's, it's important. The Logos written word of God needs to be deep and rooted inside us. But we also need to understand the rhema word. What is this? Logos, rhema. Those are Greek words. Logos is the eternal written word of God that never changes. But rhema is what God is speaking at the moment. And so when we say we need to act out on the word of God, we need to act out on what God is speaking at the moment. My sheep know my voice, and the voice of a stranger they won't follow. He's still speaking. You need to know the logos in order to really be able discerning is that the Lord. So we need to be constantly in the logos word, meaning in the written word. Have it deep inside of us because it speaks to us, and it helps us discern rightly. Turn with me to John chapter 14. I want to continue talking about the secret place. You know, we touched on Psalm 91 last week. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Dwelling is where you live, stay, have a permanent place. Um, In... In Psalm 32, verse 8, it says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you shall go. I will guide you with my eye. And then there's a cautionary note. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with a bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. So we want the Holy Spirit to guide us. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. Verse 7 says, I'm taking things out of order, but it says, you are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. Verse 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. But then here's the caution. Do not be like the horse or the mule. They don't go easily. <laughs> they have to be broken and trained, and then still it's the, the bit in the mouth that go this way, go that way. They're, they're somewhat forced to, to be pointed in the right direction. God wants to deal with us not like that. <laughs> Sometimes, in one sense, God just pushed me around. <laughs> Like, tell me where to go. It takes the burden off me. That's not relationship, right? That's, that's not growing up. You know, when, we, when we're little children, you know, we don't let our children run all over. the. We, you know, where can we hold them by the hand, especially if we're crossing the street or something. It's like, nope, you got to stay right here. If you're out at a crowded amusement park where you could easily lose a little one, you're like extra <laughs> holding on tight, okay? He wants us to grow up to know his voice, 
to know his character. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Sure thing. Wow. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I didn't plan that. Okay. <laughs> okay, so um, in the Gospel of John, beginning around chapter 13, verse 31 through chapter 16, it's known as the Upper Room Discourse. Jesus is given his final crucial words to his disciples before his death. It's, um, it, it, he's re revealing to his, uh, Jesus reveals how Christians are meant to live a more abundant, victorious, supernatural lifestyle through intimacy with the Father. In these passages, Jesus actually gives his disciples the secrets of his, of, of his power and his relationship with the Father that grew out of his obedience. The, the thing that I find amazing, and I feel like it's only in the last several years that I've really started to comprehend this, was, you know, we accept that Jesus was God. He's the second person of the Trinity. He's, just the, he's the son, the only begotten son, right, of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so we have that reality, but then... Personally, you know, as I, in my walk, I just, I always thought, well, he's God, you know. <laughs> of course he can do all these things. But in the last several years, it's just like the reality that, like, he laid all that aside. When he became man, he became fully man. Meaning, he, he was, he operated with the same um, abilities or opportunities that you and I have. He, he didn't, he wasn't God operating in the body of a man. He was fully man. So that, sometimes we have to get our head around that so that he had to learn, I mean, the scripture says he learned obedience to the point of he laid his life down and went to the cross. And so, his intimacy with God came out of recognizing that he, he just was fully submitted to the Father. So, because Jesus was perfectly obedient to the Father, there was nothing that ever hindered his ability to see and hear what the Father was doing. I want to say that again. Because Jesus was perfectly obedient to the Father, there was nothing that ever hindered his ability to see and hear what the Father was doing. We can be like that. We have an invitation to enter into that same relationship. He was a man subject to like passions as we were, as we are, and yet without sin, 
but he's inviting us. It's, you know, Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet it's not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. You don't even live by your own faith. You're living by his. That should set you free of, <laughs> I'm living by the faith of the Son of God. Now, we need to just focus in on that. Turn with me to John. So I'm just going to read from John chapter 14, beginning at verse 9 through 24. This whole upper room discourse, which starts in John 13 and goes through John 16, is awesome, and you should really read it. But for today, we're just going to focus on John 14, 9 to 24. Okay. So Jesus, talking to Philip in uh, the latter part of verse 9, begins, and he says, He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, Philip, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? So Philip says to Jesus, show us the Father. And he's like, wait a second. Have you been watching? The Father's in me. I don't even do anything of my own. I only do what I see the Father doing. If you've seen me, you have seen the Father. Do you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I don't speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Verse 12, assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that my Father may be glorified in the Son. What were some of the works Jesus did? He healed the sick. <clears throat> he, uh, he multiplied loaves and fishes. <laughs> He raised the dead, and the works glorified the Father. And he only said, he only did what he saw his Father doing. You know, he, he had a relationship, he knew the Father was doing something, and he came in agreement. He didn't heal everybody that he walked by. He healed who he saw the Father landing on. Um just want to touch on this. And he says, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that my Father may be glorified. You know, I think in <clears throat> when you first read those words, sometimes you think that those five are magical words. In the name of Jesus. So unless I pray, I end my prayer in the name of Jesus, you know, and, and it's fine. It's, it's I pray in the name of Jesus quite often. But I, I submit to you that they're not magic words. There's an identification when you pray in the name. When, you, when you're adopted into a family, what happens? You take on the name, right? You become part of a family. If I adopted a son, he would be a part of the white family. And, and what does that mean? He would be identified as a member of this clan. Do you understand? When, when, 
when people get married, they often take on the name of their, their spouse. For a long time, you know, wives would take their husband's name. Some, sometimes that changes today. But <clears throat> the point is there's an identification. And you identify fully in the name. I, I believe when we're praying in the name of Jesus, we're being fully identified in Christ. Are, are you following me? We're, we're, it's part of that adoption. It's, it's not we're praying in the name. We're praying in who he, we, you know, I'm dead. Christ lives in me. The life I now live, I, I live by the faith of the Son of God. The old man's dead. I'm fully identified with him. We're disciples of Christ, students of his. That means we follow him. We believe his teachings. We're trying to emulate him. We're moving in his, we're taking on his name. Whatever you ask in my name, whatever you ask in my character, whatever you ask in obedience to the Father, whatever you do as you follow after me, then he's going to do. I just, I point that out because I had to learn that. Because <laughs> not everything I prayed in the name of Jesus happened. Maybe you did. I mean, I've prayed that in the name of Jesus. It's, it's not just, they're not magic words. It's praying in the, in the knowledge of God, in the character of God, stepping fully into who you are in Christ, and asking anything according to his will, and it'll be granted to you. When we're moving in his compassion, in his grace, in his love, whatever you ask, because you're asking in his name, in who he is, in full identification with Christ, when we ask in that posture, when we ask in that compassionate place of the Father's heart, it will be granted. Thank you, Lord. Okay, and the Father will be glorified. He wants to glorify the Son and that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. Verse 15, if you love me, Keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he'll give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. Listen, I will not leave you as orphans. Orphans are left on their own with no resources. No one to help them. An orphan has no father or mother, and so they, try, they have to figure out things on their own. He's not leaving you that way. He's sending you the helper, the Holy Spirit. He's not leaving us alone. I will come to you a little while longer, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. Because I live, you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is he who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Now Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us but not to the world? Jesus answered said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him <clears throat> and will come to him and make our home in him. What is a home? Is it, I, I, it's, it's the dwelling, right? A dwelling, he who dwells in a secret place, he who lives has a permanent residence. When he, we will make our permanent 
residence with him. This is all about the secret place. We'll make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the words which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. So it's interesting. I feel like Jesus is talking about the topic of glorifying your Father. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You'll keep my word, and this will glorify the Father. Uh, greater works you will do, because this will bring in my name, my character, because this will bring glory to the Father. Jesus made a connection between in intimacy that flows out of obedience, hearing the voice of the Lord, being obedient to it, and, and then signs and wonders following. Healing flows out of his presence, and this brings glory to God. God wants, you know, the greater works, he really does want us to move in the greater works. He wants us to lay hands on the sick and see them recovered. He wants us to cast out devils that oppress people. He wants us to move in all the things that Jesus moved in. But in order to do that, it requires intimacy with the Father. In other words, you have to hear his voice because Jesus didn't just go about randomly doing things. He only did what he saw his father doing, and that's what he wants us to, to start to tune into. It's so important that we start to say, you know, I'm just, I want to live a life submitted to the father. I want to hear his still small voice and follow him. He was teaching his, his disciples that the father receives glory through the works done in, the, in his name. Again, it's not just I pray in the name of Jesus. It's in his just being fully identified with Christ. Tied in with this aspect of obedience is this strong Trinitarian emphasis. Through Jesus the Son, we have access to the Father. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through the Son. He wants us to reintroduce us to the Father. <clears throat> we have access to the Father and to the Holy Spirit. He makes the point that that he doesn't do anything except the Father is directing him. The, the, the authority comes from the, from the Father. The Holy Spirit empowers him to do this. So it's, it's understanding the relationship between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He gave authority to believers. You know, it's interesting. First, he gave authority to the 12, and he said, to the, you know, he sent the 12 out. <clears throat> they came back reporting that even the demons are subject to our name. Then again, at a different part, t point in time, he sent out 72 of the disciples. And in Matthew 28 is the Great Commission. He says, go ye into all the world. This was to all. Jesus told his disciples, but before you go, you need to wait in Jerusalem for power to come upon you by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit enables the presence of the triune God in us to operate. So he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Now, you know, we, we have the written logos, and we, we, we establish our lives according to that. And it's, it's a great, you know, 
it's like a moral code and we should live our lives. But I, I want to say there's something even higher. There's tuning our ears to be obedient to what the Father's saying. It's that point about not being like the horse or the mule that has a bit or a bridle and only steps out, um, you know, when they're tugged or pushed. Uh, but that we can, that we hear, that we respond to his still small voice. <clears throat> I want to read a testimony from Leif Hetland, um, in, which I just, I just found interesting. I was almost a little, little hesitant to, I was, should I read this testimony or not? And I'm trying to listen to the still small voice. <laughs> so I hesitated to read it because, all right, it's a, story about Lee Fetland and he's sharing to a big multitude. And I was hesitant saying, is that a great example? Because, um, you know, we're all sitting here and we're not, maybe we won't relate. But I felt the Holy Spirit saying, it's, there's, there's something in this story that's about to release faith. So I want you to listen with the, eye, with the ears of, of what the Lord wants to say to you. In 2010, Leif Hetland took a large team from America, Europe, and Australia as part of a movement known as the African Call, which was organized to bring unity among the churches and different denominations in the regions around Mount Kilimanjaro. Leif brought a large team both of worship, both to worship and for to minister healing and deliverance. At one meeting, about 11,000 people were present. And uh, when worship ended, <clears throat> following an amazing introduction from an African leader uh, of the event who lavished a high level of praise and honor on Leaf, you know, because he was about to speak, he was inviting Leaf up. <clears throat> During this season, Leaf was learning how to be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. He, however, he wasn't ready for what was about to happen. As he approached the microphone, he felt a whisper. Say whisper. A whisper's like, huh? You know, it's like my wife tries to whisper something when I'm here. I'm like, what, what? It, it's, it's a still small voice, right? As he approached the microphone, he felt a whisper of the Holy Spirit. It was not an external voice, but rather a clear internal voice of the Holy Spirit. As he was hearing this whisper, he was also sensing tension in the air from the large, noisy crowd. Wanting to be sensitive to the Spirit, he pressed in to try to hear more clearly what the Spirit was saying. Immediately, he was taken back in his memory to a song he used to sing as a child in Sunday school in Norway. He hadn't sung this song since he was a child and hadn't even thought about it. Yet, as he pressed in, he felt the Holy Spirit whispering. It's a still, small voice. It's an impression. I want you to sing this song. <laughs> now, Leif is not a singer. Uh, he apparently dislikes his own singing. <laughs> so much so that he generally will not sing in public if he can help it. But he was hearing the whisper of the Holy Spirit to sing this song in Norwegian, which nobody present at the gathering spoke <laughs> except Leif. It would be altogether strange and weird to do something like that. He asked himself, 
Was it the devil or God? Why would the devil want him to sweet, sing a sweet song about Jesus? Probably wasn't the devil. Leif knew it wasn't his flesh because he didn't like to sing, so he had no desire to start singing to a crowd of 11,000 people. <clears throat> so he figured it must be the Holy Spirit. Even so, he hesitated to act on what he was hearing. Then he heard it again. I want you to sing to the people. Despite the internal tension... Rather than argue with the Holy Spirit, he decided to obey. Stepping to the microphone, he began to sing this song in Norwegian. <clears throat> I'm not going to sing it to you in Norwegian. I'll read it to you in English. <laughs> Father, I have this prayer in my heart that I want to be more like Jesus and that you, Jesus, need to grow and I need to become smaller. So he sings those, those lines in Norwegian. As he sang... The translator begins, began to look at him quizzically, as did all the people. Even Leaf's team didn't understand, like, what's going on. You're supposed to be bringing a message. Though he had forgotten most of the words, relieved that he had been obedient and he was about to move on and begin his talk, when he heard the Holy Spirit whisper, I want you to sing it again. <laughs> Standing there before the microphone with everyone looking at him, he felt frustration and irritation trying, trying to rise up within him. The whole thing was so uncomfortable. I want you to relate to how God may speak to you, but it may feel strange and uncomfortable. The whole thing was so uncomfortable, yet struggling to be obedient to what he thought must be the voice of the Holy Spirit, he sang it a second time. Again, everyone was looking at him, wondering what in the world is going on. Things are beginning to feel very strange. Then he heard the Holy Spirit whisper a third time, sing it again. Struggling to be obedient and not knowing what else to do, Leif list, lifted his voice a third time, but he, it was void of any excitement, and he was almost melancholic as he sang it out a third time. A feeling of oppression began to creep up on him as he saw the puzzlement on people's faces. People are looking at him like, what's up? All sense of excitement had left the room. There at the microphone, feeling like he wanted to run and hide, he heard it again a fourth time. A still small whisper of the Holy Spirit saying, do it again. Are we willing to die to ourselves and simply be obedient to the Lord? even if it's uncomfortable and even in the sense. So he hears it a fourth time. The still small whisper of the Holy Spirit, do it again. Knowing that there was no turning back at this point, 
just as he was about to lift his voice a fourth time to sing, a presence came into the place. It touched Lee first, and he began to weep as the glory of God came upon him. Then God's presence swept across the stage out to the people, and suddenly masses of people were violently shaking under the presence of God. It felt as if the Holy Spirit was saying, Leaf, let me take over now. You did your part. Now let me do mine. Mass healing took place with 7,000 people healed. There were 11,000 in the gathering. 7,000 people received healing. All kinds of healings and miracles took place with mass deliverance. Leaf's friend, who had brought a deliverance team of 26 people, set up a deliverance tent, and they said it, it quickly filled as the Lord took people into deep freedom. Would it have been better to hear a good biblical sound message from Leaf or for him to be obedient to the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can move? He wants to partner with us, and he's asking, will you partner with him? Will you be obedient? What about when it feels uncomfortable? All right, God, I did it once. Nobody responded. Do it again. Steps up a second time, and now I'm feeling frustrated. Third time, everyone's looking at me like I'm weirded out. And God says, do it a fourth time. How many of us give up? No, no, I tried it. No, didn't quite work out once, maybe twice. I'm out of here. He stayed. He heard the voice, and he stayed with it. And then God moved. Can we learn to respond to the whisper? That's the question. Listen, I, I'm trying to learn still to be responsive to the whisper of the Holy Spirit. Because that's what he wants to do. Okay. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. God wants us to enter into that secret place. Like David, backside of the desert, most of us, you're in, you're in the school of the Holy Spirit. It happens in the secret place before the public place. You're not going to have a big public ministry till you have a big non-public <laughs> secret place. Connection with God, being out there, doing the little things to, you know, and being faithful in what's in front of you, not saying when I have the big platform, that's going to happen. We have to step out and be obedient. You know, if God says invite three people over your house and pray for them, do it. <laughs> like whatever, whatever it is or pray for people on the show. Like we have to learn to say yes to the Lord. As we're developing the sweet intimacy, I want to close with this scripture because I think it's, it's very important. Ephesians 
chapter 4, beginning at verse 29. Ephesians 4, beginning at verse 29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. What is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Let me say it again. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Your tongues are powerful. Your tongues are very powerful. The words you speak are very powerful. Let no corrupt word, no corrupt word. It's not a few. Let very few corrupt words proceed out of your mouth. No. <laughs> no corrupt word. But what is good and necessary that builds people up. God's always trying to build people up. We never partner with uh, the spirit of judgment and criticism. Like just, God's got more for you. That's not who you are. God's got so much for you. That which is necessary to build people up, that it may impart grace to the hearers. <clears throat> Verse 30, and this is important. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Cheryl Allen was here a couple of weeks ago and she talked about appetites. Are we learning God's appetites, what He likes, what He enjoys? Do we partner in what He enjoys? Let's not grieve him. Let's not part, partake in things that he doesn't enjoy. He lives in you. He goes with you wherever you go. If, you, if we partner with things that are grieve the Holy Spirit, it's, it will block our communication. Let all bitterness and wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Let's get rid of these things. Why? I'm, this is all about the secret place. It's about intimacy. The things that hinder intimacy. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. How many want to cultivate intimacy with the Father? How many want to enter into the secret place with God? Let's all stand. He who dwells, lives, makes a permanent residence in the secret place, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You are beloved of God. He has betrothed you to his son.
to have sweet, sweet friendship, fellowship. He wants to tell you things that friends just talk about because they're just shooting the breeze sometimes. He doesn't want to just, you're not a servant that he wants to constantly give orders to. Yes, you know, we are also servants, but we're friends. He wants to share his heart with you. Holy Spirit, just come right now. All over the room. God, that we can enter into that place of friendship with you. Fellowship. That you care about even the mundane things in our lives. That you like to surprise us and joke around with us and have fun with us. Play with us. Laugh with us. And then there are times you send us on assignment. But it's out of relationship. It's out of connection. It's out of friendship. Holy Spirit, would you unlock that place for each of us? God, remove all the hindrances that prevent us from stepping fully in to intimacy. God, if we need to forgive, just highlight that right now in the room that we can forgive and release. If there's any malice or corrupt words, God, forgive us and help us to enter in right now. With every eye closed in the room, just the Holy Spirit is moving right now, and it's it, this is between you and him. It's not, it's the secret place of your heart. Holy Spirit, come. We're yours. Thank you that you don't just call, you no longer call us servants, but you call us friends. I just feel the Holy Spirit saying some of you have partnered with a lie about being all alone. <laughs> It, don't rehearse that lie. That's of the enemy. He's with you. He said, he'll never leave you. He, 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 wants, he wants you to take this time where it may be a season to press deeply into him. He's wooing you. He's wooing you. Others, he may be saying, come away with me now. You're always so full with other things. Come away with me. 